0: The doctor is in.
1: Now we get to go to advanced medicine land. How are you, my friend?
0: I'm doing well, thank you. How about you?
1: Doing great. I'm actually feeling really good because this weekend was kind of stressful. Not only being out of town, which happens, but the my the thing that I used to connect with the network to do the shows live, broadcast sound quality huh? failed. Epic fails both Friday's show and Sunday's show. So I had to do the show via cell phone i sounded like dr batar on the phone which is really awesome don't get me wrong but you know how i like to be i'm a stickler for the radio broadcast sound so but we made That's it right. through we did a lot of cbd discussion uh i got to see our friend uh casey crechey uh, my buddy dr chad who's a pediatric surgeon i went to emory with years ago so it was a real good reunion time but the shows themselves were kind of stressful so i'm glad to be back in studio with you and now i can just relax and you can do whatever you want go ahead
0: you know, it's funny because I guess people have gotten so used to the live stream on Facebook when I'm doing it because usually we have, I don't know, we probably have 100 and between 100 and 150 uh, comments and you know people logging on right away. And I've been, I think, uh, for three and a half, four minutes on Facebook now live, and we've only got two people that have come on. So I think people it's throwing people off too, because they're used to Monday. It's yes. Monday, and since it's Tuesday. It's well, we, you wealthy, know, so.
1: we got to throw a curveball every once in a while, keep people on their toes. You Absolutely. know, you expect the same Absolutely. thing every
0: day. Yeah, That's exactly right. You want to shake it up a
1: little bit. Exactly. Now, we're going to shake it up. We're going to let everybody know about an upcoming webinar as well as the Advanced Medicine Seminar, the big one out in California next year. Well, It'll be here before you know it. But before we get there, you sent us this article, and Superdine and I were discussing it. I'm not sure of the veracity of the claims in it, but it is worth discussing. Because there are, there are some legitimate parts of this article. This is a headline reads Trump lays groundwork to ban mandatory vaccinations across the United States. Now, that, I'm telling you, my friends, that is an intriguing headline. I will give props to whoever wrote that headline. I mean, that's going to go, I'm clicking on that. And uh, I don't know if you read through what. That's um, the one that
0: I sent you, right?
1: Yes, it is. It is. I mean, that's a that's great that's headline. The one I sent you.
0: Yeah, that's the story that I sent you. So you know, I read through that one. That's the, you know those, that one. I actually, when I read it, I thought we got to talk about this on the show because I actually did not only read the article, but then there was a lot of comments on it, and so we can discuss a couple of things that I thought were important about this particular story.
1: Sure, and the basic uh, ten- premise of it is that there's a new division within the Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights, and it relates to religious liberty, which for me is always, I'm a big fan of it, anything that, that they're going to do to help preclude governmental uh, override of religious beliefs. Yet it may not work in the same way they think it will, but hey, it's, a, it's something, Conscience, conscience and religious freedom division is what they're calling it. And of course, if it indeed honors the First Amendment, which, by the way, gives you no rights of freedom of speech or freedom of religion. These are yours by virtue of your birth from your creator, God. But the government put it in and codified it to say, hey, government, we can't violate. Don't You're not allowed to violate this stuff. The fact that they have to come up with this later tells you how much the government is already violating the rights to freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, freedom of religion.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think that what you just laid out is very important because the people that didn't understand this article that made comments, well, I just read through this entire uh, component, this this bill, and there's nothing there about parents' rights or children's rights or vaccinations, and so I don't think this is an appropriate headline. Uh, It's a uh, misinformed article. It's, um, you know, all the different criticisms about that particular headline. But it is important because of what you just said. It lays the groundwork. And allows a foundation for people now to be able to say that you know you, you talk about how this is the uh, it's, it's the uh, religion of mysticism or, or medicine is yes. the religiosity of medicine. So mm-hmm. it's basically setting up the the foundation that allows for a parent or anyone else that is against vaccinations to be able to now contest the supposed mandate of. Um, that you have to get a vaccination because it's not based upon your belief system, which is, you know, looking at looking at the way that they're setting this up. I, I think personally that the specific uh, wording in there, and I think I sent that to you in a separate paragraph, it does specifically use the word vaccinations in there. It doesn't talk about vaccinations for flu or uh, childhood. Vaccine. It just says vaccinations is part of that component. Um, I don't have it in front of me, Robert, maybe you have it, but that there was very specific language there that allows for that door to be open.
1: Yes, no, no, I agree. and it, it is an argument that can be made. Now, there's no telling if they will honor it. I will tell you my experiences recently in dealing with religious freedom issues at the federal level that the bureaucrats basically ignore. They pay lip service to the Constitution, to the Bill of Rights, and that unless you push them and make a big public kerfluffle, and that's an understatement, they will likely ignore anything you submit to them. And so the court of public opinion does play some role in putting pressure on bureaucrats to some degree. It shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't need to have to resort to this. As I said, the, the Bill of Rights were written right at the get-go almost, not to get not to grant you rights, but to protect those rights that were yours by virtue of your creation, your birth. So in the case of California, where SB 277 came into effect, it basically violated Whatever religious freedom may still exist in California and wiped it out. The government claims ownership of your children and says they have to be vaccinated if they want to go to school. If you want to send them to school, not just public, but private schools as well, with one remaining exemption associated with homeschooling. But even then, if you want to participate in athletics and other things with the public schools, which you're supposed to be able to do, they will try and make it so you have to be vaccinated there as well. So we're dealing with uh, kind of a, a parallel track, but opposite directions of these tracks. On one level, they'll yeah, pay it, lip service to it. Go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, um, the Supreme Court Justice James Agler, the quote that I've read before, where he says that those who are swayed by honeyed words and are not belligerent to stand up for their rights, or to, to aren't, who are not willing to be... Through sustained combat, through belligerence and sustained combat, if you're not willing to stand up for your rights through sustained combat and belligerence and are swayed by honeyed words, those people will have essentially given up their right to freedom. So it's basically talking about that, exactly what you just said, that unless you push them, they're not going to really give you, um, or they won't acknowledge that you have those, inalienable life. Right. Right. And the reason is basically because they're trying to run over people. You know, the government should be afraid of the people. I think it was Thomas Jefferson said that people should never be afraid of the government. The government should be afraid of the people. But it's the other way around. People are afraid of the government.
1: Well, when, uh, when people are afraid of their government, there's tyranny. When the government is afraid of their people, there is liberty. And that's, uh, you know, that's pretty much where we've lost it because people are in fear of their government. They don't stand up to the government very often. And those that do, uh, the vast majority, like in the Matrix movie or the invasion of the body snatchers, you know, mindlessly try to turn those people in to something that they are not. I mean, they're not collectivists. They respect individual liberty and they demand, not ask politely, because you don't have to be polite about it. You demand Belligerently, your rights be respected, not granted or given because they and, can't be taken away. They're not given except by God.
0: And you have to be able to and willing to then sustain those rights with combat if necessary. I mean, that's a very powerful, active statement. You know, you, you don't just say, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then you let them, and then you roll over and let them run over you. You have to be willing to stand up and fight. And that's mm-hmm. another important part. And, you know, what does this have to do with health? Well, this actually is a quote that I said to the medical board when they said they were going to fine me and take my license and this and that. This was like nine years ago, which was a quote directly from Thomas Jefferson, which was, when a, when a people allow a government to dictate the food that they put... I know this one a lot better than the other mm-hmm. one. Yes. When a, when, a, when a people allow a government to dictate the food that they put in their mouths and the medicines they put into their bodies, their souls will soon be in the same sorry state as those who live under tyranny.
1: Yes. So well said. And what, do, what are we to do today? Now, it's interesting. Some strategies have worked. Others have not. Again, I've been addressing it almost as a one-man army, uh, politely but belligerently, to say, hey, these are my rights. You're violating them. Yet all the way up and down in terms of my freedom to travel, my religious beliefs, et cetera, have been violated. And the threats of the future of movement of, uh, of Robert Scadbell throughout the, the, the earth plane, are theoretically or actually restricted now the hobby lobby case i don't know if you remember this dr batar it was a a group this hobby lobby that didn't want to participate in obamacare because of their opposition to abortion and they went up to the supreme court and they won that you can't violate the, the, the the rights and there was another case about the the cake baker who didn't want to bake a cake for a gay wedding because of his belief you know in what marriage is and he won as well now, some people say, "Well, that's bigoted. That's homophobic." No, no, this is about religious freedom, and it took a case
0: Well, actually, no- actually Robert. I don't think yeah. it was about. Re- I don't think it was about religious freedom. I think they, those people, claimed that they they were being segregated out because of their choice of sexuality, and that they were being pro- they were being um um you know basically they were being profiled based upon their sexual preference, and the the, the courts held up that. It was the right of the businesses to cater uh, to who they wanted to, because they didn't—they didn't say they're not going to be able to provide you with the cake. They just said that they don't want to put the message that you want on the cake because it violates right. the bakers. So I don't
1: know yeah, yeah, the, it's a good it's a good distinction there, Doctor Batar, and one that should be noted. It wasn't that the baker had an opposition to serving gay customers; it was specific to something that violated a key religious belief that he had, and that is an important part here. Now, folks, we got a lot more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Check out the links in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Streaming live as well through what YouTube and Doctor Batar, probably through Facebook Live as well. Back with answering questions of yours next.
0: The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell show. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Bell show. Scott Bell show
1: all right here we go folks we ask no permission where it is not required and when it comes to healing it's never required the only permission you have to give is yourself the permission to heal in ways that even violate those that believe otherwise to your beliefs about healing obviously we engage in freedom here including the freedom to use allopathic medicine when you feel it necessary That's why this show is different. We don't sit there and curse at doctors because we don't like what they do. We try to enlighten and educate them. That's what advanced medicine is all about. Dr. batar has been at that for years. And if you're not sure about that, read his international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, and you'll know right away. And read it again and again. Or you could go to the webinar that's coming up. We had a question of the day coming in from Kenneth specifically about this you know when is this? You know what's coming up. I know Dr. Vitar has been mentioning it. When's the advanced medicine conference in May of 2019? Well, before we get there, let's talk about the webinar coming up in two days.
0: Yeah. So the webinar is uh, on Thursday, this coming Thursday. As you said December sixth at eight thirty. Um, we were a little remiss in getting the information out. We announced it, but we never got the link out. Uh, my IT guy wasn't able to get it out in time. So anyway, it went out on actually exactly a week ago, last Tuesday. And we have over 1,800 people registered for the event right now. And um, it's actually even even for the – just while we've been on the radio, it's gone up by a few uh, numbers again, Robert. So Beautiful. Um, the nice thing is that if you go ahead and register, even if you can't make it on there, because I think we're limited to 1,000 people actually being on the – Uh, event live. I I believe the new system actually said up to 10,000 people can view it. We're just not 100% sure if that's accurate or not. But even if it's not accurate, it doesn't matter because if you register, you will get the replay anyway. You will have access to it. And Mm. I honestly believe this is going to be one of the most important webinars because the webinar is talking about things that are applicable to every single person. You know, when we talk about autism, cancer, heavy metals, whatever, we're talking about different things. This is about ingredients, about synergy, and about how to measure an effective protocol or how to measure efficacy in whatever supplements you're taking. So it's a very generic thing, generic seminar in the in a webinar, I should say, in the mm-hmm. sense that it's applicable to everybody. And that's one reason we did not make the registration through the IADFW. We've just let the registration be open to everybody. But I'm also going to explain some of the other specific things that have come up over the last six months about the head map, about Van VCD. So, Robert, it's going to be a very informative webinar from a general information standpoint, but also regarding the resources that we've had available for people, I'm amazed that some of the resources I, we get questions on um, because they've, they've been available for some time, but people didn't know that they were available. I mean, I've had literally patients come into my office and had no idea that I'd written a book, and you know, it was that many years ago. So I just want to be able to let people know a lot of these resources, because it's it's been put out there for them, and the vast majority of it doesn't cost anything. In fact, everything we'll be covering on the uh, on the webinar doesn't cost anybody anything. Now, we will have uh, something at the end that if people want to partake in it, which is uh, to do with the Advanced Medicine Conference that you brought up. So the webinar is December the 6th. Um, I am speaking in January 5th in Pasadena, in Los Angeles, and then our Advanced Medicine Conference is May 25th and May 26th, and I believe the tickets just available. You can go to advancedmedicineconference.com. I think, Robert, you already have that link up there. I believe and so. And, be an and event, and not...
1: Yeah, by the way, May 25th, 26th, it's the, the Saturday and Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, correct? Not on Memorial Day.
0: That's correct. Saturday yeah. and Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. And it's it's going to be an amazing event, besides the fact that Robert Scott Bell is going to be there uh, giving a couple of lectures along with myself, but we've got some other people. I, I just got confirmation Del Victory is definitely going to be there. Sweet, And, of course, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, who is... If you have an opportunity to see Dr. Lipton live, I'm telling you, um, he will be remembered one day as a Galileo, as a, as a Copernicus type of an individual. And um, I, I can't say enough, and I'm honored that he so um, generously and without any hesitation... Uh, said that he would come and speak. In fact, he, he's booked out two years out, Robert. So Yes, he
1: is. He I, know, I know. I know. That's fantastic. Out. That's a kind of a, a biological, unbelievable coup, if that's not a, a funny yeah. way to say it.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> Talk about... it, was, it, was, it was interesting because uh, it, it was just came down to how, how we really, um, you know, we had a mind lock, basically. And mm-hmm. so we, we're really fortunate that Dr. Lippin's going to be there. So for anybody Anywhere in the world. I just got confirmation from two people in New Zealand that they're coming to the advanced person conference. So people, here nice. it's easy for you to get there. All
1: right, folks, we do have the link up in the uh, show notes at com for the webinar. Direct link to register for the Thursday webinar. That's going to be fantastic. And then, of course, if tickets are now available, SuperDonald will make sure that link is live to get your tickets for the Advanced Medicine Seminar in Pasadena, California, May the 25th and 26th, Memorial Day weekend in Pasadena. We'll see you there.
0: Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. Mm.
1: The truth takes him. Here's Robert. All right, the special edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show, second hour. We're doing advanced medicine. I know, not on a normal day, but sometimes we gotta, we got to shake it up a little bit. And Dr. Batar was so kind as to flex with us today. And uh, sometimes on advanced medicine, given enough advanced warning, uh, we can actually, uh, I don't know, maybe answer a question or two. Yeah. Oops. Hold on a second. I think I had that all set up, and I was like feeling good about myself. And then, and then what <laughs> happened? Is I hit the mute button. Boo! <laughs> it wasn't Super Don, Doctor Batar. It was me. Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Now that's more like it. Take two. Hey, Doctor Batar, Robert, what would you do for an abdominal? Aortic aneurysm that you are told requires surgery, six and a half centimeters in size. I'm told the only alternative is open surgery repair or an endovascular repair, which is made up of an expanded polytetrafluoroethylene with an outer metallic support structure known as a stent. Both have negatives. The open repair is subject to long recovery. And infection and the endovascular repair annual CT scans. Your input, much appreciated, Fred. Now, Fred, we're not cardiovascular surgeons, but we're giving you our perspectives and unofficial opinions. We're not playing your doctor, but this is general information and education. So, Doctor Batar, I don't know how to start this one because as a homeopath, I don't do surgery.
0: Well, um, as you know, Robert, I was a surgeon, and that's what uh, my formal medical training is in surgery. So. Let's first define what an aneurysm is so everybody understands what it is. So an aneurysm essentially is, think of a garden hose that has gotten a soft spot somewhere, or it's got a weakened spot somewhere, and it's still intact, but when it's under pressure, it starts to balloon out. So think of it as a ballooning out of the side of the hose, and with a lot of... um, with a lot of pressure, the risk is that that balloon can rupture because it doesn't have the same integrity as the rest of the, of the hose, as the rest of the vascular tree. Now, what happens is as we age, and this is not a function necessarily of aging, but this is what we attribute it to aging. Um, as we become, as we get uh, older, or as we've accumulated more time on this planet, the vascular tree becomes more rigid. And so the first thing is, do we believe that? And are there things that we can do to make the vascular tree more flexible? And there are things that we can do to make the vascular tree more flexible. And those things are, generally speaking, things like increasing your antioxidant uh, levels, um, you know, keeping up with a good nutrient supply. Uh, I think things like chelation tremendously help because they keep the uh, lipid peroxidation minimal and prevent the damage from the heavy metals on the endothelial wall lining. The endothelial uh, lining is the inner layers of the vascular tree of, of the, of the vessels. So if we can do things to help make the hose, the vascular tree, the, the arteries, more flexible, more elastic, uh, more supple, as opposed to becoming rigid and hard, then mm-hmm. that, that area is going to be more flexible and it's going to be able to deal with the pressure much more appropriately. The next thing is things like um think anything that would keep your aneurysm from ballooning out, that would be good too so you know maintaining good good um good central balance you know not not being prone to getting angry and that get yeah, that type of stuff meditation stuff so, but again that's not going to really prevent an aneurysm from rupturing the the aneurysm is basically a basically a loss of integrity in the vascular tree and so if we things that you can do Uh, You need to do those things, such as the things that we've just outlined. Dr. Bichard, let
1: me ask before you go further, do you believe that that weakened area, given the right circumstance, given the right nutrients, minerals, like I've argued, silicon or silica, number one, bar none, number one, not the only thing, but number one in terms of vascular elasticity and integrity, all connective tissue related to the deficiency of the silicon that is so often overlooked now again given let's just broaden it all of the things you said is it possible do you believe to repair this without having to do surgery we're not telling fred he does or doesn't need it i'm just in a general sense
0: all right robert the question you've asked is a very loaded question so if i have my medical hat on i would say that it is impossible to expect a recovery from an aneurysm however if you have my Medical hat on with what I know, using quantum physics as a basis, and with the understanding that every atom in our bodies will be completely changed and different one year from now, meaning that every constituent of our system, every Mm -hmm. atomic constituent of our system, will be different a year from now Then certainly anything is possible. But it all comes down to one thing, which is, what do you believe? And if I believe something to that level, yes, I can create it. But if a person doesn't believe it or they think that they can... It's possible, but they don't send, you know, is that possible? This comes down to a belief system. Mm -hmm. Um, I can tell you, and you're aware of this, I won't talk about it openly, but you're aware of this, I have, I am a walking proof that there's something in medicine that is impossible to do, and I personally went through it myself, and I am way better without any of those things that I was told that I had to have done three years ago. Meaning, had to have done, otherwise I would die type of thing. Um, and I, I laughed at my friend, the cardiologist, and I said, you know I'm not going to do that stuff, And if it's my time to go, and if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. You can put that on my gravestone that I was wrong, <laughs> but um, you know, I'm still pretty much alive, and uh, doing 95% of what I was doing, and I'm planning on getting up to 105% of what I was doing four years from now, uh, four years ago, um, and of course in cancer, for example, natural killer cells cannot go up. In a, in a metastatic disease, natural killer cells do not go up. They can't go up, and yet we have Hundreds upon hundreds of patients where we've done the natural killer cell profile, apoptosis cell cycle, and lymphocyte populations and we've measured this, and we have shown on, on a very reproducible level, you can make natural killer cells go up. So it goes back to what you believe. So mm-hmm. yes, I think it is possible. Would I say to a person, um, you know, just rely on that? Yeah. I would, for myself I would, for you I would, mm-hmm. uh, but for the rest of the world I would tell them that it's up to them what they believe. Robert, one thing I do want to say, though, because he gave two specific options, and he said, you know, which one to go with if he was going to go with one or the other. And I personally would be very, very reluctant to do anything intravascularly, mm-hmm. um, and I'll tell you why, because it is the, the the follow-up CAT scans that have to be done, and a metallic object in the body, which the, the metal may be inert because it may be something like titanium, but still, it's going to be a prosthesis in, in the body. It's going to be something that allows for infection setup, plus with the right. recurrent CAT scans that they're going to mandate. Um, and the surgical option, you know, you just want to go make sure whoever the surgeon is, if you are going to go that route, you meet with a surgeon and you feel good about that surgeon. As a yes. human being, as somebody that you would, he would be a buddy of yours, you know, if you were going hunting or if you were playing chess or whatever, he would be somebody that you would like. If you don't feel a mesh energetically with your surgeon, mm-hmm. do not use that surgeon.
1: So the mesh to use is and not the one like they insert, person, but but, your... but the energetic mesh between you two. I love that. That was beautifully said. Exactly. And, and you know, yeah, again, the way you delineated as well your surgeon hat and and again the, the the hat that that a lot of modern medicine doesn't acknowledge. Again, that we know here is factual and true. Fred's got some decisions to make, but I would say pray on it, meditate on it, contemplate on it as well, because these are big decisions, obviously. But I believe, yes, you can heal in ways that they don't acknowledge that you can heal.
0: Without, without a doubt, Robert, the body is a healing uh, mechanism. That is what it's been designed to do. And uh, if, I, if it was me, I would do many other things before I would look at either one of those two things. I'll just say it that way. But mm-hmm. this one point that I want to make again, if you would not like meeting your surgeon, if you, if you meet this person and as a person you don't like him, don't use him as a surgeon. If you meet this person, you say, you know, just as a neighbor, as a friend, this guy, I really like him. That's the surgeon that you need to have operating in your body.
1: And it makes a difference in outcome, folks. There's uh, there's a lot known yeah. about that. Now, uh, having done the surgeon with Fred scenario, let's talk about the ladies. How about that? Women, what is wrong with you? Apparently, you're reluctant to take preventive breast cancer drugs. What did that- you say? What? what? Your,
0: your wife obviously has... Your wife obviously is not in the room because I think you would have gotten slapped right
1: now. Yeah, no, I've locked, I've locked her out just in case for this segment. <laughs> but, but apparently, and this is out of our, our friends at the UK, UK Health Radio, listening. Many British women won't take tamoxifen because they're 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 concerned about the side effects. How about the direct effects of tamoxifen? We know that it actually causes cancer. I think the women are getting smart.
0: Okay. I think, I was just going to say, I think the women in Britain must be getting, well, not getting them, they must be smarter. That's why they're not taking the oxygen.
1: Yeah, I mean, how absurd is it to say, hey, we want to prevent breast cancer. Let's put you on this drug forever. Oh, by the way, one of the side effects of the drug, they call it side, it's direct, is
0: cancer. Yeah. A lot of the treatments that are used for cancer, the side effects, but again, like you said, side effects, and as. You know, as has been pointed out many times by us, by, you know, Dr. Lipton does a pretty good job of it too, these are not side effects, these are direct effects. Uh, they are effects happening directly. We call them side effects because they're not desired. That doesn't mean that you can call it a side effect. But regardless, if you look at chemotherapy, whenever they're mixing up chemotherapy or they're making chemotherapy, they're not just sitting there in their, you know, beach shorts uh, and sandals on making this stuff. They've got a hazmat suit on. Why? Because yeah. it's toxic. Yeah. You know, radiation. The people that are administering it are wearing lead. Why? Because it's toxic. So many of these things that they're doing for cancer, if it's toxic to the cancer, and cancer is more resilient than, than healthy cells, then what do you think that says about what it's going to do to your to the normal right. healthy tissue? There's a uh, lot of collateral damage here we got to deal with.
1: I remember, Super Don, do you remember, wasn't it Shane Ellison, who wrote a few few awesome books? I mean, he didn't take any prisoners. He used to work for the company that made tamoxifen. He was one of the researchers involved in the scientific endeavor of putting that together. And he saw from within. Is that Shane Ellison? Wasn't that his name?
0: Uh, the people's chemist.
1: Shane yeah, the Ellison. people's chemist. Yep. And he's, yep. he, he left the company. He was making good money when he saw and he called it out. He said, this causes cancer. There's no way I can be part of this. And then he began to write books on these things and nutritional options. So we're not the first ones to acknowledge this. And finally, the ladies out there in England, and I wish everywhere else would get wind of, it's absurd to put ionizing radiation on the breast while squishing it every year in a mammogram. It's absurd to put toxic chemicals in your body every day to prevent something that is caused by toxic chemicals, including the specific one known as tamoxifen. Yeah, Robert, I don't know how
0: much time we have right now, but, you know, let's talk about mammograms just for a second. I don't know whether we have time for that.
1: We're almost up on a break, so that'd be real quick.
0: Okay, real quick then, mammograms, remember cancer is caused by inflammation, and mammograms are inducing inflammation. They're traumatizing the breast, putting it under compression, and causing inflammation. There's a lot of stuff I could talk about mammograms, maybe that will be a question we deal with in a future webinar.
1: Sure, that would be great. Plus, allergies, I used to be the poster boy for allergies. People are asking, why is there a food allergy epidemic all over planet Earth? Hmm, I wonder if we could ask Jeffrey Smith that. He might know as well. But we'll talk about it with Dr. Bittar if we wrap up his special edition of Advanced Medicine on the Robert Scott Bell Show.
0: Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the uh, things? It's the
1: Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. What another great episode of Advanced Medicine. Yeah, doesn't matter what day of the week we have it, it's awesome. And I'm glad for Dr. Batar, my buddy, joining me today as we uh, kind of hit the toward the tail end of 2018. I think the shows, if they're at least consistently great, could they be getting better? I'm not sure, but possibly. Y'all let us know. Also on YouTube, I want to thank our, uh, our basically our syndicator, GCN, Genesis Communications Network. You can hear it live and on in the encore fashion, as a podcast, GCNlive.com, dot com, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, UK Health Radio, and of course on YouTube. And uh, Doctor Bittar is also blasting it out through Facebook as well. So so glad to have you here, my friend. We've got you know I don't know if we finished up on the previous discussion about tamoxifen and mammograms. I think we did, but we could lo- you know load up the the allergy question, the international food allergy epidemic. Yeah. So food
0: allergies is a uh you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's such an important topic, actually. Something that we don't usually talk too much about, and uh, we don't hear too many people talking about about allergy issues. We also don't talk, hear people talking about biospludge issues. We also don't hear... There's certain things that we don't hear typically about. We hear a lot about autism. We hear a lot about cancer, a lot about heart disease. But immunity is a very important component, uh, autoimmunity, uh, and... Allergy is really an autoimmune condition is what it comes down to.
1: Yes, and I've, t- I've talked about it for years because of my gut health was so poor, but the doctors, God bless them, all they did was pour antibiotics into me and anti-inflammatory drugs as well, allergy medications, allergy shots. I had every food allergy you can imagine. Again, going back, I was the, you know, the canary of the coal mine of Generation X. It wasn't as common as it is today, and it's expanded greatly, and I think partly due to the expanded vaccine schedule from the 90s to today. Without a doubt. That definitely
0: contributed to it without
1: a doubt. And then we add glyphosate, we add genetically engineered ingredients, modifying the foods in ways that God never had intended to. Man says, oh, I can do better. And of course, it's absurd. And then we see the manifestation of autoimmune responses, hyperimmune responses that aren't necessarily happening. Well, they aren't happening in people who have in healthy, intact guts and their livers are, are working and they're not overwhelmed with heavy metals like mercury.
0: Right. So you know, when we talk about the, the food, that's actually specifically the sixth toxicity in my seven toxicity philosophy. So that's the pasteurization, homogenization, irradiation, genetic modification of foods. It's what we do to the foods and how we change the foods from what they were meant to be, how God designed them, and how our systems are designed to uh, take them in and mm-hmm. change them to everything but what's recognized as food. So that is a very, very big problem. And um, so when we're looking at allergies, Typically, we don't think of allergies as an immune issue. We think of things like scleroderma and lupus uh, as immune issues, as autoimmune issues. So you have a hyperimmune response or a hypoimmune response. A hypoimmune response, a low immune response, or, or a, uh, a suppression of the immune response is when things like cancer will set up. Right. Uh, diabetes causes a suppression of the immune system. And sometimes when, like, a person is going to have a transplant of an organ, they will induce a hypoimmune response, right? So they'll give you steroids to reduce your body's uh, ability to recognize something as foreign so that you won't have a um, reaction against a new organ. So these are all hypoimmune responses. So there are four categories of hypoimmune uh, response. You've got cancer, HIV, uh, diabetes, and post-transplant. Those are the four demographics where you will see a low immune response. The opposite side, hyperimmune response, we see this all the time. We hear about things like lupus and myasthenic gravis and and, um, uh, St. syndrome and some of these other things. Yes, these are hyperimmune responses, but the very common hyperimmune response that we see almost on a daily basis is a food allergy. So anybody who's allergic to anything, whether it's a food allergy, seasonal allergy, a hay allergy, grass allergy, pollen allergy... These are all hyper-immune responses, and it's all happened because the immune system has been thrown into a wacky, jittery area, doesn't really know what it should or what it shouldn't be reacting to, so it becomes very sensitive to certain things that we're being exposed to all the time, and we acquire these things thinking that it's a problem with the pollen, or it's a problem with the hay, or it's a problem with the grass, or it's a problem with the dog dander, but it's actually... Because of our own immune systems that have been manipulated in so many different fashions. And that's why we have this immune response.
1: And, of course, induced suppression of immunity can lead to cancer just as if your own immune system collapses. And then anything can take advantage of that that was already in the body you don't have to catch. What you do got to catch is, uh, I guess, the wave that is advanced medicine each and every week here. And we've got the upcoming events, the webinar on Thursday. Dr. Bittar, tell them what they need to know because we got to go
0: that the power to heal is unequivocally yours. The Robert Scott the Bell The Robert Show. Scott Bell Show.